Good day, everyone, and welcome to Indie Mixtape. My name is Ty Gallas-Rowe, and joining me today is another of our new rotating co-hosts. Uh, this is Happy Birthday. How's it going? Hello! I'm doing great. Thrilled to be on here today. I'm excited to have you. Um, so we're going to go ahead and just jump right into it. We, today, as our kind of shared game played uh from the woods by octavia navarro who does the midnight scenes games which are kind of like an anthology of little pixel art uh point and click adventure horror games that have big twilight zone energy have you have you played any of the midnight other midnight scenes games hb uh no i have not but <sighs> what i saw in from the woods well should probably get around to them, honestly. Yeah, I like them a lot. I've played, I think, two of the other ones, and then I've kind of fallen behind on the releases since, like, becoming a person who works in video games. Mm-hmm. But they're very good, and they're just like they're just like bite-sized little little treats, you know. Also, the pixel art is great. Like, Octavi did uh, some of the pixel art on, like, Thimbleweed Park. So if you've seen that game, um, you're familiar, like, with what they do. Yeah. I looked up more about this game when I was done playing it, and I I saw that Octavi Navarro was an artist on Thimbleweed Park, and I was like, uh, I was like, that makes so much sense. Oh my god. Yeah. Like, I remember playing Thimbleweed Park, like, some years back, and I wasn't, I was, to tell you the truth, I wasn't super impressed with that game. Because it felt like he was pulling in a lot of different directions, and didn't quite didn't quite stick to landing on many of them. But uh, but in this one, this is like a this is like a smaller, more controlled sort of game. And I really enjoyed uh, really enjoyed the treatment it got. Like there was more of a vision here, you know. Yeah, I think it definitely benefits from being like a small, like contained, kind of short story esque experience. Because that's kind of how all of the Midnight Scenes games are, which is really nice. Because you don't have to play like any of the past ones to have to play this one and get it or have fun. But like, the more of them you play, the more you're like, oh, okay, I understand like the style and the vibe of this. Mm-hmm. So in this game, you play as a teenage boy named Elijah who is staying at an inpatient psychiatric hospital or like treatment center. Mm-hmm. Because he has a panic disorder, and he's kind of, like, telling the story of the past week to one of the doctors there, and is, like, talking about his time with his new roommate, who is this boy named Oliver, who was kidnapped as a little kid, and then found ten years later in the woods. Mm -hmm. And his parents sent him to the hospital to you know do therapy after that trauma which you know gonna say good on them they were trying they were trying (laughs) to do the right thing for their deeply traumatized son an effort was made yeah they were like hey what would would, would you do if that happened to your kid you know (laughs) yeah i too would probably be like we probably gotta like get you to like many hospitals like multiple hospitals. Yeah, because like Oliver, when he arrives at the when he arrives at the mental institution, I haven't written down in my notes as a mental institu- a mental institution slash boarding school because there's also like classes there. Mm-hmm. So it's a little weird in that way because there's like some people there who aren't 
who clearly aren't institutionalized. Like, uh, like one of the one of the antagonists of the game, Aiden, like kind of fits in that mold. Where for him, that's this seems to be more of a boarding school where you put people to get them out of the way, which I guess still fits within the purview of a mental institution. But there's also well, and they also said yeah. I think that for him, it's also partially like his criminal past because he like. Was a part of a hate crime group, apparently, oh, yeah. and like assaulted <laughs> a black couple. Yeah, and is also oh yeah, also is virulently homophobic throughout the game. Just as like a and there is a there is a content warning at the beginning of the game, but yeah, he's like constantly homophobic to you because he's a dick. <laughs> I saw that content warning in the beginning, and I was like, homophobia and racism. I I can't wait to see what this is going to be. And he's just the worst. I think the game is also set in, like, the 80s. Something like that, yeah. But, yeah, there's not... You can't really, like... I don't think they've set a specific date. Also, Elijah is a writer, and he writes horror stories based on, like, inspiration he gets from the people around him. So, like, as you're walking around, you can, like, click on people, and Elijah will get these fucked-up little story ideas about the people around mm-hmm. him, and, like, that's pretty entertaining to see, like, what weird shit he comes up with for, like, the people around yeah. him. <laughs> little parody creepypastas that he just kind of makes up on the spot. There's, uh... This is something that I, I really love the Elijah as a protagonist specifically for this reason. This is one of the ways in which the Thimbleweed Park comparison made sense, because uh, Elijah... One of Elijah's key traits is that the little guy is corny as hell, but in the best possible way. Like, the game understands that this is a corny little man. Yeah, he's just a fucking dorky teen boy who's, I think, trying to make the best of his, like, not-great-life situation. Mm-hmm. And, and you can tell. You can tell that that's that he's he's doing a lot to cope and maybe overcompensating a little bit. He's also, like, I don't know how much I want to say, but he's, like, he's a little, he's a little gay boy. Yeah. And he's got a little fun, like, 80s flippy mullet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Goals, honestly. And I just think both of those things are great. <laughs> I think we'd I think we all like to be or to have been a teen like that at some point. Yeah. There are few people in this world who were that teen, and I, I applaud those people. I was not that teen. No, I was not that teen either. The main, like, I guess kind of framing, too, with this is Elijah is telling Dr. Al the story of the past week of him hanging out with Oliver, but he's you're you're playing out the week as it's happening, and because of that, you get to see that Elijah is like blatantly lying mm-hmm. to Al about what happened during the week, and so that immediately kind of brings up the interesting like dramatic irony of like we know that he's lying, so like why is he lying, especially because like he's seeing some extremely weird shit happen. And then, and, like, supernatural stuff happen, and then he's, like, talking to Al and being like, oh, yeah, people are saying that Oliver is, like, doing all this weird supernatural stuff, but they're just, like, kind of full of shit. And you're like, okay, Elijah, like, why are you lying? What, what's the deal? What's up with this, with this freaky little tree boy you found? Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so, yeah, that's kind of, that's kind of the pitch, I feel like, for the game, is, like, what's up with this freaky little tree boy? (laughs) What's your arboreal boyfriend up to? You ever uh, have a crush on a freaky little tree boy, so you uh, lie to everyone about him being a freaky little tree boy? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Honestly, I was playing this game, and, you know, sight and scene. Don't know anything about Octavio Navarro's work, and then I get in there, and I see, uh, and, you know, it's a it's a standard horror game staple. Like, a bird appears, a, f- a fucked up bird appears, basically. 
Oh yeah, there's a lot of fucked up birds. A raven with blood on its mouth, and I think and every time the ravens appear, uh, what sold me on this game is that every time a leisure looks at one, he's like, oh man, this is cool. <laughs> I love this. Look at this bird, isn't it great? I like there's one time there was one time when I was out in the thing where he, where I looked at him and he was like he was already kind of like pissed off from an encounter so he looked at him and he was like go away birds and I was like they're not gonna go away you know they're not gonna go away <laughs> yeah there's a lot of just a lot of very good bird horror out there this is a, but this if, if you're here for the bird horror midnight scenes is uh, midnight scenes isn't really in the midnight scenes isn't really going into the bird horror in this one. There is a... The birds are there because they're supposed to be there, but uh, nobody seems especially frightened of them. Yeah, they're just they're just making everything creepy and weird. They're not really, like, doing anything other than that. Mm-hmm. Other than just, like, adding to the vibe. Yeah, they're the stagehands of horror. Yeah. I can't say if any of the other ones do bird horror. I don't remember. The two that I've played do not, but... You know, who could say? Yeah. But yeah, did I don't want to get too far into, like, spoiler territory for it, since it's a pretty short game, and want to kind of let folks check it out. But did you have any, like, closing thoughts on it, HB? There's a lot going on here, honestly, but most of it I can't really cover without going into spoiler territory. I guess, I guess we can cut this out later if this is too spoilery. There's, like... There's a sort of thing going on with this game where it takes a turn into cute horror, is how I would describe it. Yeah. Which is, which, which I think is an important thing going into it. This isn't a, uh, it's not necessarily leaning into fucked up horror, it's leaning into, like, like corny and slightly cute horror, which is a, which is a great vibe. Like, uh, what are my other notes here? Like, like the sound effects, where it's just, just like, mm-hmm. <laughs> periodically you'll get something and it just goes like, yum, 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 or that kind of sound effect. <laughs> Yeah, there's a lot of really funny little sound effects. I like I was watching something else and I had to like pause it to be like, was that the game? And it was yeah. the game. <laughs> Did that happen in real life? Did they just fit into the game somehow? Was, was, serendipity? Was, like, was that the game or was I just like watching was it was was it the shout? No, it was the game. The game made that little noise. Yeah. I guess my more cogent uh, closing statement is that in format, this reminds me of a lot of... Uh, are you familiar with Yahtzee Croshaw's adventure games? I am not. Because uh, back in the back in the ancient times, this is like the mid-2000s, I think, he made four games. These were Five Days a Stranger, Seven Days a Skeptic, Trilby's Notes, and Six Days of Sacrifice. And there was... Like, in those games, he mostly, like... I guess for lack of a better term, didn't have it. But for Trilby's Notes, for example, he really had it. Mm-hmm. It was like it was like a fully competent for horror adventure game, and you play it, and you're like, "Yeah, this is a this is a thing that's made by a made by a fan of horror conveying what they like about horror to you." Mm-hmm. This is like somebody who played uh, this is like somebody who's played horror games. This is somebody who's watched horror media and is uh, has a very specific taste in horror that they are successfully conveying to you. Yeah, that's exactly how I would describe like Midnight Scenes as a whole, like as an anthology. Mm-hmm. Pardon my dogs. You can just tell that, like, they really are versed in the media and love it, and, like, the games just really feel like love letters to that genre. Yeah, it's beautiful. It's like, it's a labor of love, and I do really appreciate that in the game, especially because it's, uh, one of the best reasons to make games is because your tastes have become so specific that you have to make the things you enjoy, and that's the vibe. Because like this person, Octavio Navarro, was was like an artist, and you can see the like very good pixel art, very very effective stuff going on here. 
Yeah, I absolutely agree 100%. I, I don't even really have anything to add. Just, yeah. Beautiful stuff. That, that's it. Play it. Midnight Scenes from the Woods, a 2000, the 2023 adventure game by Octavio Navarro and Susanna Granel. Also play all of Midnight Scenes, because Octavio Navarro shit rocks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I see that now. I'm always, I'm always here. I've been an Octavio Navarro stan for, like, since I started covering video games almost, for, like, five or six years now. It's just been, like, me periodically getting little itch updates and being like, ooh, I'm gonna get to that eventually. But yeah, their work rules. HP, since you are the guest today, would you like to start with your first game? All right. So for this one, I picked out two games. One that I one that I played like in the, like in advance for the episode. Another one that I had played before, but wanted to wanted to talk about in more detail. So I'll start with the I'll start with the fresher one first. Road Warden, a twenty twenty two RPG by Moral Anxiety Studio. Mm-hmm. Now, Ty, are you familiar with what Road Warden is? I am. I. Uh, almost bought it like two weeks ago and then decided to wait and then I saw that you were going to talk about it and I was like hell yeah <laughs> well this is another bit of beautiful serendipity I suppose so for the benefit of the listeners so in Road Warden you play an official assigned to patrol the roads of a sort of unclaimed territory like a stateless territory it's a series of it's a series of unincorporated villages that are mm, dubiously connected by a road. No laws, just vibes. Yeah. No laws, no masters, there are definitely many gods, but uh, there's just no real state presence there, and you've come from the state to, you know, take a look around, maybe provide some of that good, good security that a, that a strong, centralized state can provide. The city of Hollivan provides for its subjects, theoretically. And the way in which it provides for its subjects is that it's sending you, a single person, to just kind of See how fucked the shit is around here. <laughs> and the answer is, very. Uh, the whole place is haunted by the living dead, much like the rest of the world. Monsters are just kind of wandering around the roads, and usually your best solution is just kind of go around them, wait until they leave, that kind of thing. <laughs> like, several times in this game, you stop on the road, go like, oh, there's a monster the size of a house just kind of camped out on the road eating some fruit. <laughs> you just go, well, that's not a problem I can solve. I'm just going to come back a different day. <laughs> This game, the beautiful thing about this game is that it's just deeply interested in the physical reality of travel. Uh, most of the game you have in the standard difficulty setting, which you can you can take the easier difficulty setting where this doesn't happen, but in the standard difficulty setting you have a 40-day time limit. Like, you arrive sometime in the waning days of summer and you have 40 days to just kind of, you know, do a little survey of the region, figure out what's going on, help some people, you know, patrol the roads... And work on your personal goals. For example, in my playthrough, I was playing somebody who was trying to get in good with the merchant guild back in the city. So I was trying to, like, do lots of economic scouting, that kind of thing. But to get to the point that I was actually making, most of this game is about the physical reality of travel. It's about making good time. It's about eating well. It's about finding shelter. And of course, like I mentioned, it's about being delayed by danger and inconvenience. The roads will get muddy. There's going to be a lot of problems along the way. This place is run down in every sense of the word. There's been wars here. There's been unrest. There's been, honestly, some pretty grody atrocities have occurred here. And that's not <laughs> even getting into the living dead. It's a, yeah. it's a pretty, it's a pretty rough place. And. All of this adds up to what I would describe as an extreme Twine game vibe. 
Yeah, that's kind of the vibe I got when I was like looking at it on Steam, which is as much as I love a Twine game, as much as I am an interactive fiction bitch, like, I was looking at it for my Steam Deck and I was like, I don't know if this is quite right for this particular platform at this particular moment in my life. Well, I play all my games on PC and, and I'm, I'm also kind of a slut for Twine games, so I was like, I was like, yeah, sick. I did not know this was what, it, what was in store for me. And honestly, the thing is, so, first of all, what makes it look like a Twine game is the superficial similarity, where aesthetically it's kind of the same, where there's a, like, it just plays out in, okay, so you have, you have some text, and then you make some choices at the bottom based on that. There's a, uh, the, the text just kind of pops up in the same way, it's, uh, like, the responses work the same way, and most of all, there's a sort of house style for many Twine games, like this sort of understated, uh, understated, slowly rolling prose that I hadn't actually been conscious of before I played this game. Because it's not a Twine game in the literal sense, but it's a Twine game stylistically. Like, like it's, it's You like mean a, in the sense of, like, branching choices and stuff like that? More than that, it's hard to put a finger on why why I feel that way, but there's a kind of... Many Twine games lean into a kind of quiet sadness, like a sort of inexact vibe, a very, uh, like a sense of incompleteness. Yeah, there is a, there, that's true. I don't know how to explain that either, but yeah, you're right. It's, it's like a muted, moody text adventure vibe. It doesn't have the, it doesn't have the sense that you're solving puzzles. It has the sense of you going through a particular place at a particular time. There isn't the sense of resolution in, in, in most of this game. You're just coming in and observing. And what and what makes this so weird is that it's a lot like a Twine game as seen in a dream. Imagine if you had a dream about a Twine game, and then like dreams do, it just kind of veered off topic and got uh, and got increasingly arcane and baroque and realistic, and that's roughly the vibe of Road Warden. Just exploded in scope, implication, and budget beyond what would seem reasonable. Yeah, it definitely seems like larger than I thought it would be. Yeah, there's like 10 hours of stuff in here. Yeah, that's kind of wild. Maybe more, depending on how you feel about playthroughs. Because there's a... Because there, of course, is a lot of branching choice stuff going on. It, like, has that vibe of when you start out, you go like, oh, how am I going to cover all of this in 40 days? And then by the end, you're like, uh, oh, I see how this all fits together. Mm-hmm. The time limit isn't very strict. There's a... Like, it gives you... Like, it gives you plenty of breathing room. It's a... It's a... It's a game where you can afford to chill out a little bit. I would say. Okay, that's nice. Yeah. I know time limits are sometimes, like, very stressy, so it's kind of nice yeah. to not have that be as bad. And even so, you can kind of turn off the time limit. I like the time limit myself. I'm, I'm, a, I'm an absolute pathologic bitch, so, you know, I love optimizing I love optimizing against the time limit. Yeah, I mean, fair enough. Every Everybody has something that makes brain go burr, you know what I mean? Yeah. Another note I specifically wanted to wanted to make is that a lot of the game is about how you present yourself. Mm -hmm. Because you're a stranger in a strange land, so to speak, there's a lot of uh, there's an entire mechanic about what kind of first impression you want to make, which is do you want to hide your emotions? Do you want to be like do you want to be like a friendly guy? Do you want to be like uh, do you want to make a little joke? See see if you can win people's hearts that way. That's not a great idea generally. You shouldn't be doing that. There's also intimidation, of course. You can be like, oh, I'm a, I'm a road warden. I'm going to fuck you up. Or alternatively, and here's the fifth and possibly funniest option. You can just look sad and hopeless when you talk to people. <laughs> God. <laughs> There's also an appearance stat, and the appearance stat is like, uh, 
in this game, you're going to be getting into a lot of scraps. You're going to be, you're going to tear up your clothes. You're going to ruin your, you're going to ruin your shit. You're going to fall into mud. You're going to be caught in the rain, that kind of thing. And as you do that, you're going to get dirty, sweaty. Your clothes are going to get torn. Your armor is going to get fucked up, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And this is all tracked by the appearance stat. It's like rated on a scale of, uh, of zero to five. And the lower it is, the less people trust you. Good. Solid. <laughs> so, uh, so there's a, there's a little subloop in this game as you acquire increasingly good bathing equipment. You get a, you get a nice toothbrush, you get some soap, you get a lot of other stuff. You have a whole, have a whole little kit that you travel around with. I love having, to having in-game toiletries. <laughs> Yes, absolutely. Uh, sometimes you take a dip in the river and it says, yeah, you're getting a bit clean, but have you considered that if you had like additional toiletries, you'd be able to get cleaner, nicer, you'd smell better, people would like you more? Listen, I think that's a great mechanic. I think more games should have that as a mechanic. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I've never seen, I've never seen such an in-depth implementation of this mechanic. Usually it's a lot more, usually it's a lot more shallow, but in Road Warden, because the whole game is about inconvenience, like travel, like making good time as you go from one place to the other, making sure you can go to everywhere you need to be, and, you know, making a good impression on all the people you want to impress, the appearance stat, as well as all the other mechanics, they just kind of slot together in a beautiful way. It's so fun. Yeah, that rules. Did you did you have any other uh, notes or thoughts about Road Warden? Uh, not in particular. Do you have any outstanding questions about this? No, I feel like we, like, talked about it a lot. I'm definitely excited to check it out. I'm definitely gonna pick it up at some point. Yeah, strong recommendation from me. It's a Twine game I've always wanted to play. <laughs> the Twine game that doesn't end. God. <laughs> Alrighty, so my first game that I'm going to talk about is called Let's Revolution. Um, and it just came out this year. Uh, and it is from Ant Food Studios and Buck. And it is... A little hard to explain. Um, they had a trailer in one of the summer games biz things. I can't remember which one it was. I think it was the Future of Play Direct, because I think I covered it then. But it is a roguelite puzzle game that's like, what if Minesweeper, but procedurally generated mazes and also turn-based tactics? Uh-huh, uh-huh. It look it sounds like a melange. Yeah, it's a it's a it's a big old soup of things. But basically you're like trying to chase down the king of your land to like overthrow him. And so you're going through like each of these map areas that are, you know, like covered in tiles and you're like flipping them over minesweeper style to see if like there's going to be an enemy there, or if there's going to be, like, an item or an ability, um, and you're ultimately trying to catch up to the king so that you can kick his ass and overthrow him. Yes, I approve. Yeah, it's, like, it's... The art is very, like, uh, pastels. It's just, like, it's a it's just a weird, like, funky, neat concept, and it has, like, huge board game energy, which, like, they said is, like, what they were trying to kind of emulate because they didn't want to have to worry about a lot of probabilities and percentages and stuff like that so it's kind of more like a board game and ability centric in that way and like kind of building your strategy based on that kind of stuff um and it's just it's fun it's like not super long so it's definitely a game where like if you don't 
have a ton of time, but you have like, I don't know, maybe like half an hour or something, you can like just sit down and like do a run. There's also like apparently like five different levels of New Game Plus that you can unlock for each class type. So like you can like really oh. be a bananas nerd about this game if you want to. Mm-hmm. You can play a minimum and get a bit into it, or you can become one of those people who just gets really good at Minesweeper, because they're, I don't know, bored with work and just play Minesweeper all the time. Yeah, there's also, like, an easy mode, too, so you can just, like, if you don't want to do the full, like, roguelite, blah 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 stuff, like, you can do kind of a just, like, more chills, like, I don't, it's not quite a zen mode, but it's, like, in that arena. So, yeah, you really, it has, like, a very low floor and high ceiling in terms of, like, how far you want to go into it, which I think is, like, pretty fun. Mm-hmm. Did you get the king? Did you kick his ass? Not yet. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not good at mind sweeping so far. <laughs> but that's, uh, that's a problem for me to deal with. <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's cool and fun. Yeah, I was writing about the 1905 revolution the other day, and you know what Vladimir Lenin said about it? He said, uh, he said, without the 1905 revolution, you wouldn't have had the 1917 one. So, if you fail at Let's Revolution, just try again. No matter how many years it takes you, you never know what'll happen. <laughs> just keep revolting forever. Yeah. yeah, it'll work eventually. <laughs> Alright, what's your next game, HB? My next game is Misericord, Volume 1. This is a 2023 kinetic novel by Z- by Xeci? Xeci? X-E-E-C-E-E is how you spell that. And it's made in Renpy. And before I before I get too deep into it, Ty, what do you remember about Pentiment? Uh, it's about a man who is a book illustrator... And he's working in a little town to do his masterpiece so he can not be a journeyman anymore. And then there's a murder, and he's like, ah, fuck. And then he has to solve it for some reason. Um, uh-huh. And and then there's uh, more mysteries throughout the rest of the acts. And it's about being creative and sad. Mm-hmm. All right. Great summary. So Thank you. <laughs> this will sound familiar to you. So in Misery Chord... Imagine, if you, imagine for a second that you were an anchorite in 1483 England. Now, an anchorite is a nun who is locked inside of a cell, basically, theoretically, forever, doing nothing but praying, doing oh, all yeah, that stuff. Yeah, yep. There is one of those in. There is one of those in Pentiment. Imagine if you played Pentiment, but you were the anchorite solving the murder mystery. Hell yeah! From just in the room. No, not from within the room. So this is the this is the first big thing that happens in the game. You're an anchorite, kind of minding your own business, and then the mother superior comes down, unlocks your cell, pulls you out, and says, "All right, you're out of the cell. We we need you to solve a murder." <laughs> okay, what? Well, that sounds terrifying to have happen to you. But also, I thought that you were going to be that this like you were leading into that this was going to be a reverse locker room mystery where instead of like trying to figure out how someone did it. When the room was locked, it's you're trying to figure out a murder while you're locked in a room. Mm, no, this is not at all. What, this is uh, you are just taken outside of the the anchorite cell, which is sort of a monastery within the monastery, and just exposed to your other nuns just for the first time in your life. So who 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 was murdered? Uh, another nun inside of the monastery, and the problem is is that one of the other nuns definitely did it, and the only one who couldn't have done it, according to the Mother Superior, is the Anchorite. Is you. 
Yeah. Yeah. Because you're the only one who was just sitting in a room, blocked away. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> so this is volume one, and what volume one means is this is the first part of a longer story. This this kinetic novel is ten hours long, and it's still like, uh, and it still plays out like the sort of like the acts one and two of the story, you know, that kind of vibe. Mm. It doesn't it doesn't get fully resolved in this in this particular game. But it's just it's just such a good vibe that I think that I think is just very good to play in general. And one of the reasons why it's so good to play is that as judging from your reactions, I would say that I would say that I am right in my judgment. This is just an immediately great premise. Yeah, I like it. Literally like when I when you said like what games you were doing and I was looking them up for the notes, I was like, This sounds sick. Yeah. Like, you're telling me it's about nuns doing murder mysteries like i'm sold and we haven't even talked about it yet uh-huh yeah and honestly an amazing protagonist choice there's a uh so hedwig the nun you're playing is because she's an anchorite freshly pulled out of a cell uh there's a there's one thing that this game is extremely clear about and that much like in pentiment putting you in charge of solving this mystery was a bad idea this is something that the game is on board with. <laughs> like, you are an anchorite, so when you are pulled out of the cell, much of this game is with you, like, dealing with the shock of being exposed to the monastery. Because the monastery also is in the fucking shambles, but that's not necessarily... But that, that's not really... That's kind of beside the point right now. So, this is a kinetic novel. Are you familiar with what a kinetic novel is? A uh, visual novel what move? Uh, not quite. It's a visual novel without any choices. Oh, okay, so it's just, like, it's just a story. It is just a story, but it's pl- but it plays out in the, it plays out in the, you know, aesthetic conventions of a game, minus the part where you make any choices. And this is actually an extremely good format. I honestly had not played the kinetic novel before, and this game really sold me on the format. So, the thing about Hedwig is, because she's an anchorite who is pulled out of her, you know, station in life, the thing that she... The thing that she thought she'd do the rest of her life, that she'd spend the rest of her life doing, you don't get to make her be like a high-functioning hermit with an analytical mind. You're not like, you're not like the human can opener from Disco Elysium. You know, you don't have a mind full of questions. (laughs) You are, you are just a uh, like Hedwig is about as good at solving a murder mystery as you and I would be. Okay, I would be great at solving a mystery, though, so let's say probably worse, because I'd be incredible. Substantially worse, actually, yeah. I definitely agree with this. So, much like in Pentiment, you're just wildly unqualified to do do the thing they're asking you to do. It's the late medieval era, of course. There's an immediate frame of comparison there. And despite the fact that you're wildly unqualified, the task nevertheless falls to you, because nobody else can do it. And... Whereas Pentiment is about, you know, letting you climb that hill and eventually confronting you with the, you know, responsibility of naming a, uh, of naming somebody as a murderer in a small community. <laughs> uh, Misery Court doesn't get that far because you are just fucking helpless. You can't do anything about this. <laughs> you, it's more about soaking you in the mood of like this fucked up situation you're in. It, this is a this is a situation where Hedwig fails because it was unreasonable to expert, expect her to succeed to begin with. Yeah, because I mean, because she's just she's only picked right because she's just the she was just alone forever. So it's not yeah. She doesn't know anything. She doesn't do anything. She's vibing. Yeah, exactly. 
Honestly, what also what also adds to the vibe immensely is the kind of unique aesthetic that this game has, which is late medieval monastery, slight anachronism, where it's like, I guess I'm coming at this from a good society perspective, but in good society collaboration, you can decide on the level of historical accuracy that you're going to play with in the game. And the one that people mostly go with is historical accuracy is somewhat important. We're going to try and get it right, but we're not going to sweat the details. And that's where this game is roughly at. It's faithful to medievalism where it's fun and kind of steps away from it where it isn't. And on top of that, it's completely monochrome and just saturated with trip hop. And it's just such a vibe. Yeah, that sounds sick as hell. I'm definitely, definitely intrigued by that. Yeah. If any listeners want to check this out, if you look at the intro cinematic and you like that, then this game is for you. Because it, it, it goes places from there. Also very also lovely prose, good characterization, you know, just just all told a very good experience. I I loved clicking through this game so much because I had no idea what the fuck was gonna happen next. It earns those ten hours perfectly well. The thing about murder mystery that's important to understand about murder mysteries is that real life murders generally fall into, you know, two different categories. They're either trivial to solve, it's immediately clear who did it and why. Or they're completely impossible to solve. You're never going to find out why this happened or who did it. And many murder mysteries are about a third category of crime, where it's just merely kind of difficult to find out that's, <laughs> to find out who did it. And in Misery Chord, you're kind of hovering somewhere between impossible and kind of difficult. Yeah, that seems fair. I mean, poor girls put an impossible situation. Yeah. But this game is just a masterpiece. I love this game so much. Yeah, it sounds really killer. I'm excited to check it out. Yeah, which means we move on to your game from here. Yeah. Um, so my game is Cassette Beasts, and it is a monster-collecting RPG a la uh, Pokemon, that kind of deal from Bitten Studio. It's this little, like, pixelated um, turn-based RPG where you collect monsters that you fight with, but instead of them fighting each other, you, like, basically copy their form and turn into them, and then you fight as the monster, which is kind of interesting. Ooh. Yeah, and so the whole premise is you're, like, kind of right at the start of the game... You are just zapped to this, like, random island, and you kind of wash up on the shore. And it turns out that you are in this kind of, like, Traverse Town from Kingdom Hearts-esque place where, like, people from all different dimensions are getting sucked away from their homes for some reason and end up on this island. And on the island are the monsters that you copy, and so for some reason... You can copy them by recording them on old school cassette tapes, and there's like an old mall that crashed from a dimension <laughs> that has cassette tapes, so that's where people get them to record the monsters and do the battles. And so it's kind of ends up being like, it's very cute and pastel and, you know, has like fun music and all that, but it's also, it, it has like a more adult storyline than like a Pokemon, I would say. Um, mm hmm. Like, it's, a, like, one of the side characters is, like, dealing with having been in a cult, and, like, one is dealing with the physical embodiment of his childhood creativity. Oh, no! And, 
Yeah, so there's just a lot going on. Um, and then, like, you've, you've, your, your whole mission is trying to figure out how to leave the island, and you encounter these creatures called arch, archangels that are, like, big, weird, creepy things. And you fight them, and each one you fight, you get a piece of the, like, Queen One's song, and she promises you that if you find all the pieces, she'll, like, help you leave. So you're trying to do that, and through that, you're, you know, like, doing your character quests and just exploring and stuff, and so you get, like, all of these weird, interesting, fucked-up little stories, and it seems like there's definitely more than what meets the eye going on in terms of the background story and like what's ultimately going to happen. So I feel like if you've ever been a person who's like, man, I really like the format of Pokemon and like the idea of it, but wouldn't it be really sick to have like some cool movement mechanics and also like a story that's maybe a little bit more appropriate for like an, an adult. Yeah. I would say cassette beast is like worth a checkout. It's also on game pass. So if you have that, you can just play it. That's so great. I've been hearing a lot of things about Cassette Beast. Yeah, I'm here to tell you, it good. Yeah, it sounds good. When you were describing the vibe of, uh, it's Pokemon, but maybe a bit more adult, I was thinking, you know, kind of like the Mother games, maybe? I've never played a Mother game, so I don't, I can't say. But, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, it's just, it feels a little bit more modern, too. Like, um, you can you get stickers for your tapes and those are the like abilities. And so you can switch out like all of your abilities at any time with like all these different stickers. And then you also can do like romances with the side companions and like build your relationship with them, Uh which has like a mechanical uh, benefit too. So yeah, it's just like, I feel like it's like a studio that took a lot of notes from these like past types of games. It was like, what if we made like a really, really like refined, cool version of that for like 20 to 30 year olds. Uh huh. The people who played, the people who played a similar sort of game, like maybe 10, 15 years ago and thought, you know, I'd like something similar again, but you know, tailored to my sensibilities. Yeah. That's a hundred percent what it feels like. What if the vibes escaped and turned into something friendly to friendlier to me? Yeah, absolutely. Also, like, a lot of the monster designs are really good. Yeah. Some of them are really cute, some of them are really funny, some of them are just cool. There's a T-Rex with a gun. Like, what else do you want? Yes! Or, I guess he's not- <laughs> he doesn't- he's not with a gun, he is a gun. Oh! So it's yeah, like- he, he is the boom-boom gun. So it's sort of like uh, so it's sort of like Megatron from Transformers and Megatron from Beast Wars just kind of got combined. So both the T Rex and the gun. Yes, honestly, this game is like what if Pokemon was Digimon? <laughs> because like when they get to certain levels, you like evolve them, and like there's different branching forms they can take depending on like things you've done with them and stuff, and like yeah, it's also like you can fuse together with your companions to make like a combined monster Ooh! so yeah truly truly if you were like a kid watching pokemon and digimon you were like man i wish these were the same show yeah that beast is pretty much that what if my pikachu could turn into a biblical angel literally (sighs) sounds beautiful it's a good game (laughs) i should play cassette beasts yeah i would i would big recommend for me I've mm-hmm. enjoyed. I'm not done with it, but I've enjoyed. I've played like over 20 hours of it, and it's very good. 
That's the other thing. It's beefy. It's like definitely like a 30 plus hour game, I imagine. Yeah, absolutely. Well, unfortunately, I'm playing Baldur's Gate 3 right now, so that's absolutely no space in my schedule, but... Listen, you and me, you and me both, buddy. You and me both. This is this is just gonna be this is just gonna be what I'm be what I'm gonna be about for like maybe a month, two months, three I months. I spent like f- like twenty hours of this week just playing Baldur's Gate three for work. Yeah, it came out yesterday, and I'm uh okay. I can't actually count this because I played the early access version as well. But like <laughs> eight hours, I think. It's it, it's out of control. Yeah, it's a huge game. Games are too much. <sighs> Listen, especially that game is a lot. But, yeah. but yeah, I I believe that brings us to the end of our playlist for this time. Um, HP, where can people find you and check out what you do and all that kind of stuff? Uh, I can't be found on social media. I'm a I'm a sort of secret companion in that sense. And instead, instead, you can find the work that I do on gm36.itch.io. That's gm36.itch.io, where you can find my games, tabletop games. And we'll have a link to that in the description. Hell yeah. Finally getting my name out there somewhere. (laughs) Maybe someone will find it. Being not a secret person. Yeah. I used to be on Twitter, but you know. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I was sort of on Twitter. I just occasionally occasionally posted promos there for my games, but that's it. Listen, it's it's fine. You're not you're not suffering as much of a loss now. Surprisingly easy to cut out of my life. Yeah, I wish I could say the same. Speaking of yeah. which, you can find me on Twitter and Blue Sky and pretty much everything at Keeper. and you can find Uppercut at Uppercut Crit or just at Uppercut on Blue Sky. We do video games. Yeah. Um, if you like what we do and you want to help us continue to do it, uh, and support indie games media and freelancers and this podcast, etc., you can go to patreon.com slash uppercutcrit and check out our various tiers there, uh, and get your name shouted out like the people that you're about to hear. As always, Indie Mixtape is a product of Uppercut, which is a listener and reader-supported outlet. If you would like to support what we do and get lots of cool extra benefits like episodes early, writing early, and even having your name read at the end of the show, just like these folks here, you can check out patreon.com slash uppercutcrit. And of course, a huge thank you to all of our 7 and $10 a month patrons. You guys are literally the backbone of we do what we do. Um, so yeah, thank you. Two, Mars, Slime Hunter, Boo with Natalie, Christopher Franklin, Jay Holmes, Thomas Lewis, Chris Lawrence, Justin, Third Avenue Anti Capitalist, TBS Kien, Cat Mare, Dale, Chris Edgerton, Jesse Vitelli, Adept 7777, Lucas Lyon, L10 Tyvee, Adrian A. Rock Williams, Matt Flowers, Andrew Sherman, Colton Crow, Jared Shu, Cam Koenig, and Quentin Hoffman. That's going to do it. So thank y'all and have a great whatever time it is. Goodbye. Goodbye. (laughs) 